Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Many years ago, my oldest daughter, Nicole, tricked her little brother, Richard. I know it's hard to believe a big sister being mean to a little brother for absolutely no reason at all, but it did happen. Nicole had managed to convince Richard to trade his dime for her nickel. Now, they were like six and four. But Nicole, in her her grand wisdom, probably somebody had tricked her, and she had to show the trick to somebody else, right? Nicole, in her grand wisdom, had decided and, and taught Richard that a penny is smaller and worth less than a nickel, and that a quarter is much bigger than the nickel and the penny. Therefore, it seems to reason that the dime being the smallest of them all is worth the least. And so she played upon his greed, and he gleefully traded his dime for for her nickel, thinking that he had won something from her. At its core, it is the, the core of pretty much every con known to man. Play upon their greed, convince them that they are getting something that they didn't have. And once the, the five cents of value is lost, it's gone. And it's gone forever. That five cents that my son had, he can no longer spend it. He can no longer save it. He can no longer give it away. Because you cannot spend, save, or give that which you don't have. And what the younger child no longer has, he cannot give. This is the way Satan is with us. He can only give us what he has. Now, Satan was more crafty than the other beast of the field, and the Lord, and that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any of the trees in the garden? And the woman responded to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the tree of the fruit that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, surely you'll not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. The great deceiver is not in a position to increase Anything that Adam and Eve already have. All of the good and the gracious gifts that God has given unto Adam and Eve, they already have, and they have by the grace of God. Satan cannot improve upon anything that they have. He cannot make them better. The only thing he can do is try to deceive them and take them away. You see, Satan has already fallen from grace. Satan has already rebelled against God. He has forfeited any of the good and the gracious gifts that were given unto him. And without life in God, Satan is by de facto already dead. He is already a a subject of God's wrath and subject to God's judgment. And the heat and the fire of hell were made for him, not for you. So the serpent deceitfully implies that the woman and the man can have more. Like Nicole in my illustration from above, she's saying you can have more, but what she's really leaving them with is less, even less than what they had before. The devil implies a promise of added value to their lives, when in result, he's actually just leaving them alone to die. He's leaving them with less than they had in the first place. The devil implies a promise. It can get better. And in doing so, he adds to his lists of offenses against God for which he so richly deserves 
judgment and punishment. He is a lying and murdering thief. That is his nature. He can't do anything but. And he is still trying to convince us that there are better ways than God's ways. Our resistance to temptation puts us in the heat of our cultural debate. Because the world follows his word and says you can have it better. It can be better. The sexual revolution is a revolution fought against God and his understanding of sexual identity. And that revolution is in full swing. And it promised us something better, did it not? It promised us freedom from guilt and shame. It promised us open and transparent relationships. But it didn't give us that. You know what it's given us? Misery. It's given us higher divorce rates, lower marriage rates. It has not brought about greater happiness. It has not freed us from guilt. It has not freed us from shame. It has not added freedom into our lives. It has not added value. And yet people still think it will. Something a little less toxic, social media. Right? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, Untapped, Twitch, Reddit, YouTube, WhatsApp, Pinterest, LinkedIn. That's just the top ten. Top ten ways of wasting your time. Social media promised that we would use these things and we would be more connected. That we would be closer to our friends and our neighbors and our relatives. And it turns out not to be true. Not that I can break myself away from my phone at all. But we are not closer than we ever were. We are more spread out and more spread out and more spread out. If you'd have told me when I was 14 or 15 that I would hold in my hand enough computing power to take NASA to the moon and back, I'd have laughed at you and thought, what wonders will we do with this little device? And what do we do with it? Watch stupid videos and waste away our life. And the world says, Isn't that awesome? Is it delivering? I'm not saying throw your phones away. I'm not saying get rid of your Facebook. I am saying, is it delivering what you want out of it? There's a bunch of hot topics we could throw in here, but I really only have so much time. You could could talk about relativism, communism, uh, critical race theory. There's plenty of things out there in our culture that we can talk about that have promised us something great, but are they actually delivering what they said they're going to give to us? When the serpent overcomes us through temptation, he is only able to give us what he has. In the Garden of Eden, he drags the woman and man down to join him under the hot wrath and the fierce judgment of God. That is what he has. That is the only thing he has to share. We find ourselves under that same wrath and judgment when we give in to temptation. By the same thing, the man and the woman can only give unto us, their children, what they have. At creation... God had given the man and the woman all of the gifts that he had to give. He had gave them amazing gifts to share and to pass down with their descendants because they were created in the image and in the likeness of God. 
And God is triune. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three distinct persons who indwell with each other through a movement of perfect and reciprocal love, who indwell with each other through a movement of perfect love, who totally are open and totally transparent with one another. And a totally interdependent union that exists between the three, the three persons of the Trinity without any confusion. Humanity had that perfect original righteousness. We had that perfect holiness. We had that impeccable honor with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, man, woman, God. In perfect unity, without any shame amongst them, it was theirs. But by giving in to temptation, they lost those gifts. And that union, that transparency was gone. After eating the forbidden fruit, the man and the woman discovered that they were not innocent and wonderful, that they were now naked. They heard the sound of God walking through the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. But the Lord God came to man and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Who gave you this gift of shame? Didn't come from God. God didn't tell them that. With each other, the triune image of God and that perfect reciprocal love was lost. And once the value was lost, once it was gone, it was gone forever. It cannot be spent, it cannot be saved, it cannot be shared. It was stolen, but it's still gone. What our parents now have is sin and shame and guilt. And due to the loss of God's good gifts of holiness and honor and righteousness, they cannot have what they do not have. And they cannot give it because they do not have it to, to give. As a result, humanity is now without these good gifts. And it's exposed to the reality of sin, which is disobedience to God, and shame, which, ha- which leads us to hide ourselves from our neighbors and our friends and from God, and guilt, which is that inner desire of the old Adam to blame everybody for everything that's wrong in our lives except for us. And humanity is under the threat of the heat of the wrath of God. What the woman and the man do have, they give. And they pass it down to their descendants, the judgment that has been rendered against them. And we still live under this judgment. God says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and she shall, he will bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he says, this is her curse. I will surely multiply your pain in childbirth, and in pain you shall bring forth children, and your desire shall be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten of the the tree, which I commanded you not to eat, cursed is the ground because of you. And in pain you shall eat of it all of your days, and thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat of the plants of the field, but by the sweat of your face you will eat your bread, until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. 
What the woman has, she gives unto her daughters. Pain in childbirth, a contrarian spirit against her husband, who then rules over her. Man gets a cursed earth, the struggle to obtain daily bread, thorns and thistles, the sweat of his brow, and a contrarian wife who loves him and adores him. And she loves him and adores him because he's part of her curse. I like that. I'm my wife's curse. And she is mine, to be sure. Thanks be unto God. I like to tell the children the the best thing about finding a spouse is find that one special dear person that you wish to annoy for the rest of your life. Worse than these, we are now mortal and cannot escape death. Despite the fall into sin, God can and still, God can still give us what he has. And God has a white, fiery, hot wrath over sin, to be sure. And so his response to Adam and Eve is in verse 8 and 9. It is surprisingly cool. When when they hear the sound of the Lord walking through the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord from among the trees, the Lord God calls unto the man, he says, Where? Where are you? In the cool of the day, God comes to the man and the woman. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three distinct persons who indwell with each other through a free movement of reciprocal love and total open and transparency between the other two, totally independent in this union of Trinity without any confusion at all. And even though Adam and Eve have lost their original righteousness, God still has righteousness that he can give to them. And even though Adam and Eve have lost their pure holiness, it has been stripped from them, and they stand naked before God and with one another, God still has a pure holiness that he can give unto them. And even though Adam and Eve have lost their impeccable honor to treat each other with goodness and kindness and respect, God still has goodness and kindness and respect and impeccable honor that he can give unto the man and the woman. And he has given this unto us because God still loves us. And God has love to give. It is his possession. And therefore, he has the rights to do with it as he sees fit. And he sees fit to give it to you. There is no quit in God. There is no abandoning his people. And what God does not have, he cannot give. Instead, the promise of the forgiveness begins as God comes into his people and says, where are you? And Jesus comes to seek and to save the lost. And at the cool of a Bethlehem night, God's word comes to humanity. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the the Lord. Still, God has a a white-hot wrath that he can give, and he must give because sin is real and it must be punished, and sin brings death. But the punishment, 
The punishment over our sins is not the only gift that God still has left to give. God also has, God also has a son that he can give. And in the cool of the morning, cool enough for a fire, in the courtyard of the high priest, Jesus is tried, convicted, and later that day, crucified. Jesus faces the fiery furnaces of hell, and God gave Jesus all of the wrath that he had built up over generations and eons of sin. God has given that wrath to Jesus of Nazareth, and he has burnt his wrath out on the cross of Calvary. He's done that for us. And while Satan offers those things that he doesn't have to give, Jesus gives what God really does have to give, which is a holy, innocent, precious blood in exchange for peace with humanity. And Jesus has holy, innocent, precious blood to give. And he gives it because it's his to give. The sacrifice of Jesus appeases the white-hot anger of God. And Jesus gives his heel, his life, and the death on the cross for the head or the crushing of Satan. And Jesus gives us his own value. And in this great exchange, the worthless become priceless. As the prophets had said, and the blind see, and the deaf hear, and the lame walk, and the accursed become beloved. The resurrection of Jesus assures us that the Satan's head has been crushed. And he comes to you in the cool waters of baptism. For the Holy Spirit is given to you in your baptism. And you've been washed of your sins. And you've been cleansed of your shame. And you've been released from your guilt. And Jesus restores your honor by clothing you with the holy robe of righteousness that Jesus himself has been given. And Jesus has it to give. And he gives it unto you. As the Lamb who's washed away our sins. And Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father Almighty invites you to live a life of daily repentance. To array yourself each and every morning in this spotless Lamb of the forgiveness of Christ. And to enjoy that forgiveness and to live into that forgiveness. Because that forgiveness has been given to you. At the same time, the, the deceiver... The, de the deceiver still desperately wants to give you what he has. Which is sin and death and hell and guilt and shame. And he wants to rob you of what you have. Your holy garment of the righteousness of Christ. Do not. Do not listen to that liar Keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus. Keep your ears fixed upon Jesus, your creator, your redeemer. Jesus Christ has fully and completely endured the wrath of God, and he did that for you. The condemnation, the sin, the guilt, the shame are now spent. They're gone. And now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And the only thing left is forgiveness. And God can only give you what he has. Which is the forgiveness of your sins and life eternal. It is yours in Christ, a gift from your loving God. Amen.